Hey, good people in podcast land. Welcome to Convene, a conversation series dedicated to connecting the creative community in Toronto. I'm your host, Chris Penrose, and this 16-part series is about the music ecosystem between Montreal and Toronto. This edition of Convene is supported by Factor Canada. On this episode, I speak with Edmonton-born, Toronto-based rapper, producer, writer, and poet Roly Pemberton, also known as Cadence Weapon. Pemberton has released four albums, was the Poet Laureate for Edmonton in 2009, and has a book about his career coming out in spring 2022. To open up, the the first question I wanted to ask you was, um, what is your role in the music industry in your city? Uh, Well, I live in Toronto, and my role primarily is an artist. I'm a musician, um, producer, um, but also I consider myself to be a bit of a music historian, kind of archivist. Amazing. And yeah, I think that would be my vibe. Can you tell me a little bit more about the the arm of what you do when you talk about being an archivist? Yeah, like I, I also do a lot of journalism and just writing about music history. You know, like most recently I've been writing a lot about Little Jamaica and Toronto and, you know, um, it's important to me about preserving Canadian music culture, especially when it's, you know, black music culture. Um, And I I just kind of, I feel like my role really is, you know, I'm somebody who's been around in the Canadian music industry for a while and I'm able to really translate you know, my experience from when I first started to where it is today and really connect the dots. Yeah, I think that's that's so important. There's been a lot of conversation I've been seeing lately between, you know, people looking to bring forward a lot of the music history here, um, the gap that there's been in terms of like black journalists writing about black music specifically and, and having that covered in um, publications or media platforms, but also stuff that's still available. You know, you look at like, for example, you know, you can go back in time and hear, you know, CBC radio programs from like all the way to the 50s, you know, but then some of the most important things that happened in Toronto hip hop happened on community radio. And those moments are not archived. Um, So it is, it is so like important to, make sure that those stories are, are are captured and i even think of just like um you know there's this conversation on um that click has been doing with four corners on um clubhouse mm. and every wednesday yeah. night they like play this like old school like toronto hip-hop r&b i think well has to be bet- before 2015 but a lot of stuff is like going back to the 90s and whatnot and mm-hmm. they can't do a spotify playlist of it or itunes no. playlist they have to do a youtube playlist because so much of the music is just not available digitally. Right. I mean, that's the thing about history, you know, is it's, you know, this is, this is the big thing that I feel like with um, both Montreal and Toronto is there all these moments that like, if you were there, you know, you, you know, what's up, like, but if you weren't, then it's gone and there's really no document of it, you know? And that's why, like, I've tried to do a lot of writing about it, whether it's in my music or my journalism, you know, like I've done a lot of writing for Red Bull Music Academy, you know, about different um, parts of Montreal music scene. Like I had one article that was 
all about the 70s disco scene, you know, and I went to Montreal, and I interviewed all these different figures in that scene, like primarily uh, Robert Umay and like people like that. But then I also wrote a more contemporary thing where it was all about Torn Curtain, which is this after hours venue that, you know, was a real incubation point for the kind of underground electronic scene in Montreal. Um, but I feel like if you don't write about things like that in the moment, or you don't, you know, I talk about it in my music a lot too, where, you know, I feel like something really special was happening when I was in Montreal in those scenes. And I really wanted to like capture it. And I feel like if you don't, it goes away. Like, I feel like when I came on the scene, you know, 2004, 2005, and there really wasn't, you know, there wasn't the same kind of, um, there were artists who were there then who aren't around now. And it's really hard for me to discuss that and really talk about the people because the context has been lost. Mm. Yeah. That's, that, that is a really important point, you know, and that's, that's one of the things I, I remember having this revelation just about like the, the sound in Toronto as an example, which I know more about. And it was, um, Swift Rock who, um, you know, is a friend and passed away, but was part of um, Grassroots, the uh -huh. Grassroots as, you know, production collective. And he was talking about, like, how he learned to produce and just, like, getting a machine. And he actually describes, like, you know, I forget what the equipment he had was, but he was using it, like, definitely not how it's supposed to be used and, um, you know, trying to figure that out. And he's in the same era that, you know, you look at, like, you know, Pete Rock grew up, around Marley Marl, like in the uh -huh. studio with him. So, and, and then, you know, what influences did Marley Marl have? And you have this like intergenerational mentorship that, you know, at the same period of time where like Swift is putting music out, Pete Rock is putting them out. But in one way, like Swift is kind of like a first generation producer in Toronto. He didn't have uh -huh. other hip hop producers like on the level of a Marley Marl to be learning from he's learning you know with his peers with his friends where like right. p rock comes into it already like seeing things at a certain level and then can take it to the next and you know so i think preserving that context is so important to you know pushing the music and culture forward for sure and you know i feel like there's another concept that i, I keep coming back to and it's called seniors um and it's a concept that um, Brian Eno talks about. It's the idea of, you know, if you get a bunch of artists together, the, the, the ideas that they cultivate individually, um, they rub against each other and they, they kind of build a, a kind of critical mass of ideas. And then people start seeing and they're like, wow, there's this really great music scene there. But it's like if artists aren't allowed to cultivate ideas and be together in spaces and have the space to create that seniors doesn't really develop, you know? Mm. Yeah. And I feel like I, I was really lucky that I experienced that in Montreal, you know, you know, our scene was all focused on Outremont and Myland. And it was me, Sean Nicholas Savage, Blue Hawaii, Braids, um, Grimes, Mac DeMarco and just countless other DJs and artists, you know, and just all of us living in a really concentrated area 
and having the time and space to create and having close proximity to music venues and different um, after party venues and just places to DJ and places to practice and build our craft. That's one of the best things about Montreal because of the cost of living. It really allows you to be creative. Yeah. You know, I feel like, I feel like that's something that um, Montreal can really teach to Toronto. I'm glad you put it that way because I think that the conversation is so important to put in that context of their, the really understanding the nuances and strengths of each city and, and how um, you, we can learn from each other and also like what are, what are some of the benefits? One of the things that people have talked a lot about is like Toronto might be more of a gateway to the U.S. than Montreal, but that Montreal is more of a gateway to Europe than Toronto. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think the other thing is Toronto, you know, you have to be professional here. <laughs> and I, I mean that in like a really, um, it, it's strange. It's like Montreal, you, you have all this space to be creative and just experiment and do weird stuff. And if it doesn't work out, it's not really a big deal because cost of living is not that high compared to Toronto. And it's like, you know, there's an audience where people will like let you learn in front of them. You know, I mean, I think was the big thing with Claire with Grimes that she was able to be incubated in this scene, you know, that um, allowed for people to like make mistakes and have accidents and get better, you know? So um, I do think that is good though, since I moved from Montreal to Toronto, my business side of music has gotten way more refined. And I feel like something I didn't care about at all where I lived in Montreal and I didn't really think about it. But I feel like if you can take the spirit of Montreal and the creativity and the just openness of it and then balance that with the business acumen and, you know, professionalism of Toronto, then you have like the perfect place, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I do think that those two complementing um, factors are, are real because, I mean, in just in terms of Toronto itself, like the physical uh, infrastructure of the industry, of the music industry, is really heavily placed here, you know, and heavily represented here. But when you look at, um, you know, a lot of the innovations that are happening in culture, whether it's even on the fashion side, visual arts side, um, film too right like montreal is is a leader in, in all of those areas when it comes to like pushing culture so yeah i think it's also a thing where in montreal culture is respected on a different level than it is in toronto like i feel like the government really supports the arts in montreal and in quebec and they you know to you know Louis Blanche, you know, that's an idea that comes from there, you know, and um, just just art seems to be everywhere in a kind of European way, where it's like even you, your average poster you see on on or ad is somewhat more artful than you would see in the rest of Canada, you know, just on a design level, you know, and I feel like just being immersed in such an artful place is so uh, creatively nourishing. You know, like, I feel like it, I don't know, just knowing that you're supported by the infrastructure of the city that you're in to create 
it allows you to focus more on creating and less on how am I going to live? How am I going to survive? You know, that, which, which is largely what people have to think about in Toronto is like, how can I keep staying here? <laughs> you know, it's like become such a big focus. That is a big question, you know, and when you put the, the financial kind of planning best practice that like 30% of your income should be housing, whether that's rent or mortgage. And you look at like the cost of housing versus what people are able to earn, especially in like creative industries and music, you know, who's, who's able to keep it to that level, like 30%, like almost nobody. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, at what point is it just too expensive to, to live here? And that brings us to some of those questions of like, you know, what, what can be done at a policy level and government level, infrastructure level that, that really values music and values the arts in a way that enables people to still live and create here. Well, you know, that's the thing too, is that if there was more of a policy focus on the arts in Toronto and in Ontario, what people at that level don't realize is it benefits everyone. And not just on like a spiritual cultural level, but it actually is really good for business too. You know, places that are really popping with the arts um, are financially viable. Like, you know, I I think the artistic sector in Canada in general is really undervalued by by all levels of government. Um, I feel like it's one of the most important things that brings people to a city is like, okay, what are the arts like here? You know, I think that's actually one of the low key indicators of the value of a city, you know, and it's like there, what's the relationship to art in the city? Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking a little bit about Montreal and seniors uh, was the term you used and just kind of like who you mm-hmm. were connected to. Can you just give us a little bit more about what your time was like when were you there and, and what were was kind of the focus of your time in Montreal, even even what brought you there? Yeah, for sure. So I'm originally from Edmonton, and I moved to Montreal around 2009 in the summer. And I had moved there because I had some friends who moved there from Edmonton who were in some bands, and I would see their pictures online, and I was just like, wow, I really can't believe people can live like that. It looked like they were just having so much fun. They they had like face paint and they were wearing really weird clothes and they were just playing shows and it just looked so so carefree and um, it was really enticing to me. So I was like, let me just try and see what's like living in Montreal. So I go there and it ends up being really my ultimate dream. It's like a place where, you know, you can just be an artist where everyone I met was a different kind of artists like I was meeting filmmakers and musicians and painters and actresses and just everybody was doing some kind of art and it was almost like this unofficial university of art you know where like I had this kind of unplanned curriculum that was just the hangouts I would have with people at night or just people I would encounter and it was just so um, inspiring all the time. I was always inspired the whole time I lived there. And I feel like really our scene came together more 2010, 2011, when um, I was living with Jane Penny, who's in this band called Tops. 
and we both moved together um, with her um, partner in the band, uh, this guy, David Carrier. And so we all lived together in, um, in a place on Van Horn. And uh, that was really where the nerve center of this scene started developing. It was us. It was like Seb Callen, who runs Arbutus Records. And we all just lived really within walking distance of each other. And Mac DeMarco moved into my apartment building. We helped him find an apartment. You know, like it was, it was just like, we, it just kept building and building until it would be like, when we're just walking around, it's like 15, 20 of us all in one apartment hanging out. And it wasn't, it was just like, we would do everything together. You know, like it was like, we would, you know, we would eat together. We would co- record together. We would just kind of jam, you know, places like Labrique or Silver Door or Torn Curtain. We would DJ, we would like share music, we would watch films. And it was just kind of like, our entire lifestyle was just based on art, you know? And it was just, um, it felt like on top of that, you have like the low cost of living that they had. And this idea of joie de vivre that uh, people have in Quebec. And it was just like the, the, it was just such a great lifestyle. You know, it was just the idea of like, you have your own schedule and it, you're not expected to, you have to work all the time and you're not expected to, do anything but, you know, march to the beat of your own drummer, you know? And I feel like that kind of open-ended time, it really cultivated a cool music scene, you know, where we were, you know, I was, I was doing things that I'd never done before too. Like I was starting to promote my own events and throw parties and uh, I got better at DJing and I, I, I started making solo instrumental music that I never released, but I, I just like made it, you know? And it was just all this stuff made me a better artist and I feel like I'm a different person after living there than I was before. You know, like I feel completely changed and it was like, you know, I had that artist inside of me and I feel like I truly became uh, the artist that I wanted to become from living in Montreal. And then if we jump to Toronto in terms of your experience and kind of view of the industry in Toronto and, and how that how that experience shaped you yeah and so i moved to toronto in 2015 and that was mostly because my girlfriend at the time got a job in toronto and she asked if i wanted to come and i was like sure i i never really thought of living in toronto really like i I'd, I'd spent some time there before like i recorded my album hope and dirt city mostly in toronto but back in like 2010 um but i, I didn't really have major ambitions like yo i can't wait to move to toronto but i moved here and at first i was just like man this is a tough town you know like it's it was the cost of living was significantly higher um it was really hard finding an apartment and it really was like i describe it as being like you know the treadmill's on and you you jump on and it's in progress you know that's how it felt you know like it felt like and it's like, you gotta, you're, you're sprinting from the moment you get there, you know? So I was just like, whoa, like at first it was a shock to my senses. And I feel like for some people it's like, especially if you're coming from Montreal, it can be a hard transition and it can be like, I don't know if I can handle it. And I, I know a lot of people who move back after a short period of time, but I feel like, um, after a few years, I started kind of getting used to the flow of things. 
And I realized, you know, what the benefits and what the advantages of living in Toronto are. And it was like, I was meeting so many um, industry people that weren't aware of me previously. Um, I signed a new record deal while I was in Toronto. Like, I feel like the years when I was in Montreal, I had really no industry vibes going, you know, like I wasn't really, um, it was almost like I was just completely inactive for the time I was in Montreal, even though I was constantly creating and being artistic and doing all this stuff, it wasn't translating into anything with the industry. But when I moved to Toronto, it's almost like, um, out of necessity, I had to, you know, produce more albums and I had to like do, do more things that related to the commerce side of being an artist, you know? And I used to think of that as like kind of like a, a dirty word or something like a corrupting of art. But after living here for years, I really realized that, um, you know, it's just a different art form. Business is just like another art form, you know? And I feel like it's another side of being creative. Like there's, you know, there's creativity in business. And I feel like thinking of different ways to engage my audience and like thinking of different ways of using social media or like different ways of, you know, how can I make a promotion for an album, the most artful thing that I can do, you know, it's like, that's an art form as well. And I, I didn't really respect that until I moved to Toronto. Wow. That's really interesting to hear that description. The The treadmill analogy is interesting and as well as like moving into that idea of like seeing the the opportunity not just of of the industry um that's here but of approaching it in an artful way um i, I, I love that um kind mm -hmm. of marriage of of the values and and just like you know that time of development you had in montreal and then the opportunity to still apply a lot of that approach to a different context which is really cool um, mm -hmm. I wonder what your thoughts are on how connected Montreal and Toronto currently are and like what you think might be creating that connection. Yeah. I mean, when I think of a connection between Toronto and Montreal, um, things I think about, I think about moonshine a lot. I think they're great. And I feel like they have really good ties in Toronto. I know they work with my A&R at E1, Jay Devinish. Um, I know he's putting out some records with them. Um, but yeah, I feel like there is definitely a pipeline of artists where it's like there's an exchange of ideas. Like I know like I was a part of the literary community in Montreal and I know, you know, people from different publishers like Metatron would come to Toronto and like poets here would help them organize events. So there is some like artistic transference, but I do feel like um it's hard for people from both places to communicate with each other. You know, like it's, I, I obviously have a lot of connections in Montreal and I try and put people on from there here. And like, I always try to make those connections whenever I have an opportunity to, but I feel like, you know, when I go back to Montreal and I tell my old friends what I'm doing now, they kind of don't understand what I mean. You know, like they don't understand like, when I'll talk about something that's super like business sounding, it's just, it's just weird to them and they don't get it. Whereas it's like when I first moved here, you know, and I would tell people like what my lifestyle was like in Montreal and they'd be like, you know, so when does the work get done? Right. right? So I think a lot of it is you know, 
a kind of understanding of both sides. But I also think there needs to be, you know, I think that one of the greatest things that could happen would be if there was like a high speed train between Montreal and Toronto. You know, like I, they were talking about doing the Hyperloop. If that ever happens and there's just being like a really rapid wave like going across, because if that could happen, then you could live in Montreal and work in Toronto and then you'd have the greatest life ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I, you're not the first to, to um, remark that that high speed train between the cities would be a big um, boost to the relationship. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, it's where it's, that's at the level of infrastructure. Obviously, that's not getting built at a grassroots level. Momentum for that can be. But um, it's interesting, too, that you when you talk about language, and, and at first when you're saying it's hard to, you know, kind of communicate or talk to each other, uh, but it's not French-English. It's It was something very different, right? Like, are you talking yeah. about values? Yeah, I... Uh, like ideologically, you know, like it's, um, you know, it's we don't speak each other's language in a different way than you would typically think. Like, I think the language thing, that was an issue for me in some ways when I lived in Montreal. But I mean, in my community, like, you know, we we, we were like collaborating with all different cultures, you know, like it was like me and I'd be hanging out with Marie Davidson and a lot of like the French side of La Brique, you know, um, that scene. And uh, I think what was really uh, the most difficult thing with the language barrier was um, the industry in Quebec. Because over there, you know, you could speak fluent French, but um, if you're not from there, you really don't have a chance. You know, and it's like they have their entire separate industry where they've got their own rappers, they've got their own comedians, they've got their own, you know, everything that's totally self-sufficient and they don't need the rest of Canada at all. So they just do their own thing. They've got their own grants. They've got just everything, right? Um, but I think there's a big problem where for somebody like myself, who's like an Anglo artist, there is a bit of a glass ceiling that, you know, I'll never be like a true Quebecer, you know, and I, I'm, I'm not French Canadian. Like I just, I, you know, they, and the people are not going to really be able to appreciate like English language rap the same way they do with the French rap, you know? So yeah, that that was a big challenge for me when I lived there uh, on the industry side. And it was kind of like, it made me just not really want to, um, I wasn't that interested in putting out records while I lived there, you know, cause I wasn't feeling like I was going to get there. There just isn't that much that you can do if you're not a part of that system when you're in Quebec. Um, so it was really amazing when I came to Toronto and I was like, Hey, I'm back. What's going on? And it was kind of like, people would look at me and be like, wow, like, it's so good to see you. Like, it's like been six years, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's like I had been inactive the entire time I was in Quebec. And it's like, I feel like sometimes it can feel like you're in a black hole, you know, like you can feel like you're really stuck um, like you're, how do I put this? Um, I feel like when I'm back in Montreal, I don't really think about news. Uh, I don't think about world events. I'm kind of closed off into this Montreal mindset where it's just about what's the next thing, you know? I'm like, you know, what are we going to do tonight? 
you know, like what's the, who's coming to town? Like, what are the shows? Like, you know, I'm back in that culture brain where that's the most important thing. Whereas in Toronto, I find like, it's hard to avoid, you know, what's going on in the world and everything is like, so, um, there's just no softness really to living in Toronto. Mm. Yeah, that's that's quite a strong description of that contrast. I I think of um, what you're saying and and wonder, you know, especially around the possibilities now. Like, what do you think becomes possible with the strength and connection between Montreal and Toronto? Um. Yeah, I think there's some great possibilities. Like, I feel like if you can take that Montreal mindset and you can combine it with the Toronto business mindset, then you've got the ultimate team. So it's like, if there can be more collaboration between people from both cities, it's just super advantageous. I mean, that's, that's really my entire model is I try to work with, you know, like for the album I'm putting out right now, like my creative director is based in Montreal, Scott Pilgrim. Um, my video editor is based in Montreal. Like I always work with Montreal people, um, because, you know, they have a knack for, um, getting things done in a way that is like very old fashioned. I find like, it's like, you can always, they can always get something done in a way that is without friction, you know, like, it's like, they know a guy, you know, like, I love that about Montreal, but you know, I also work with people like Ahmad at Peak, you know, and he's produced my videos in the past. And we've worked together. And, you know, they do everything perfectly um, to the letter and are just such an efficient machine, you know, and they have that Toronto mindset. And it's like I was able to combine both those sides. And I think that's what really gives me success with some of my work, you know? Well, and I hear that described kind of from an artist's perspective of having kind of the minds, the best of the mindset of both, but it, you know, it makes me start to think about like, well, you know, what if the audiences had the mindset of like the, the, the strength of the audience here and the strengths of the audience in Montreal uh, combined and, and on a policy level, like what is some of the policy leanings in Montreal and the policy leanings in um, Ontario or Toronto, like, and those um, were combined too. I think the possibilities um, become expanded as well. Like it's one thing to, to combine those strengths at the level of the artist, but when you start to combine those strengths at those other levels too, then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's very important. Like the policy level, I think, Toronto can really look to Montreal to see how you can really respect artists because currently I feel like as an artist in Toronto, you know, it's almost like they don't want me to be here, you know, like just the city, like it's doing everything to make me feel unwelcome that it possibly can do, you know, like they get rid of venues, they get rid of anywhere you could jam. If you have like a loft, they're going to get rid of it. If where we live, we can't live centrally, you know, and I feel I've been, as I've lived here, I've been moving further and further away from the downtown core, you know, like it's like, um, it, it definitely, you know, it, things like rent control, you know, like 
um, affordable housing, like these kind of initiatives can really help artists. I know so many people who are moving to Hamilton, who are moving to like Peterborough, who are just living anywhere else, just around Toronto, because it's just become impossible to live here if you're an artistic person. And I think when you lose artists in a city, you know, the city suffers big time, you know, because like we're looking the same way that a lot of Toronto is becoming homogenized with, you know, just these same corporations building like shoppers, drug marts and A&Ws on every corner. You have people who are be who are able to live here because they have uh, investment from their parents or whatever, um, or they have really like, you know, uh, pro- high profiting jobs and then it becomes a thing like they're willing to allow their, these communities to be gentrified. They're willing to allow these places to become homogenized and they're okay with uh, Shoppers Drug Mart and an A&W on every block. You know, like they don't, they don't care. Right. So I think that's the thing that I love about Montreal where like I was back there recently and there's been a lot of issues in the mile end with gentrification where there's this one predatory um uh landlord who is called Schiller Labby and they have been just uh renovating and raising the rent uh on different businesses uh all along St. Viator and the area of Maland and people basically said enough when they decided they were gonna try and do the same thing to SW Welsh's bookstore and they had a big protest where they lined up and bought books and they had a read-in in line and uh, it actually worked. And they ended up negotiating a different deal for the bookstore and if the bookstore is going to be open for a couple more years. You know, and it's like that kind of It's like, you know, I, I, I know there's a lot of activism that's happening in Toronto and I love it. I love seeing all the, all the stuff like, you know, um, people's defense to and like keep your rent Toronto and all that stuff. Like, I think it's amazing. Uh, I just feel like that's the default mindset of people in Montreal and people who go to Montreal. And I feel like that would be if, if people knew their rights more in Toronto and knew what could be done through organizing um, because Montrealers, they love a good protest and they're just, they're hella down to protest anything at any moment. And it's like kind of, I found it so inspiring, you know, like I was, I was around when it was the Maple Spring when, you know, they were, uh, protesting the, um, austerity measures, um, in, uh, universities there. Like it was, that, that was amazing, you know? Um, yeah, I feel like that's, you know, those are, those are the mindsets that that need to be melded between the two cities, I think. I think that's an interesting example in what you just shared, though, around the bookstore thing that really does relate to music, right? Because one of the things that you know people have shared in conversations is that a lot of culture and a lot of music and a lot of art of what happens in Montreal is in unconventional spaces, like a bookstore or like in a bakery or like on a rooftop of like whatever building um and those those spaces that are you know like by protecting that bookstore in some ways you're not just like protecting a business or a bookstore you're protecting also like a space for culture to happen 
you know. And exactly, exactly. It's not just a bookstore. It's it's part of the community's identity, right? Like this is this is the thing. It's like I we were talking about this on my new album. It's called Skyline, where I talk about you know I came out of uh, the first lockdown or whatever, and I was walking down the street and I didn't recognize Queen West, and then I kept walking. I was like, everything is just weed stores and pharmacies and it's like what happened to all the cultural stuff that makes you want to live in a city yeah. you know and it's like i wish that you know the thing is that living in this city keeps you working so much that it's like how it's hard to stay engaged with what's going on you know it's hard to know wow i didn't realize that place was in danger of being shut down or whatever or like these things happen so quickly and they try and do these developers, they're really smart. They try and do it under cover of darkness, you know, where nobody knows. And it's like, I feel like if we got together collectively and stood up to the developers and said, no, we don't want this in our community, they'd be forced to listen, you know, but that hasn't been possible due to a few different factors. I know. But I think, I think that's a big, that's a big idea. And we have the precedent in Toronto too, you know, where like you look at just one example of like played a record when it was on Young Street and then, you know, there was some other like clothing shops and then the HMV basement and, you know, there's these different spots that were actually really important for um, a music community to have these connecting points and places that are also like, you know, how many, how many people just played a record, for example, got their start with being able to sell some of their music there. Like that was like the first place that would take it. Um, of course. You know, and so those, those, those things are really important. And, and it's cool to draw that line between, you know, some of these questions around development and that type of um, policy level conversation to like grassroots music right up to like being able to have a career in music as a connection. Uh-huh. Um, I wanted to ask you a question about Montreal and Toronto. Usually I'm just asking this question from one vantage point, but um, about people, platforms, spaces that people should check out. Um, Usually, again, if it's someone from Montreal, I'm asking that question just about Montreal. But if you could share from for someone from Montreal looking at Toronto and vice versa, what are some people some places some platforms that you would recommend uh people checking out to get to know each city a little bit more musically yeah um i think some things in montreal i would recommend uh moonshine will probably be the number one thing i feel like they really brought the excitement of after parties back to montreal after there was a bit of a lull and i feel like they also you know they 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 were what i was waiting for when i lived there because I feel like the like African diaspora wasn't um, as centralized back then. Like it's like, you know, you'd have like Haitian artists here and there, but I feel like they really brought it together under an umbrella and gave everyone something to get excited about. And I feel like they, you know, they, they have like one of the best movements in, in the city by far. So shout out to them. And I, I really respect what they're doing. Um, I also think another really important place in Montreal um, would be Never Apart. I think they're really cool. Um, just they're kind of an art gallery, but they, you know, 
do a magazine and they do events and it's just like a really interesting thing that they have going on there. Um, <clears throat> I definitely want to give a shout out to Antennas. I feel like they've developed um, a really cool community around the radio station. I've, I've gone to DJ there a few times and my friends run it. Um, um, so I think they're really doing something really cool. Um, I also feel like, you know, here in Toronto, we have a similar thing with ISO radio and I really love what they're doing, but I feel like, you know, they aren't given the opportunity to grow at the scale that they could because of just the factors of what the city is like. Right. You know, it's like in Montreal, they, they have a secure location that is under no threat of being taken away from them or being becoming like a condo or whatever. Like it's not, not happening. Like it's, it's owned. So I feel like they're a really good model um, to, to, to see what, what you can do when you do like some really solid community building. Um, mm-hmm. Antenna, shout out yeah, to them. I think that's a really, really big point. They've been around for what, like two decades, right? Oh, not that long. Huh? Definitely not. Uh-oh. No, no, they're like relatively new, actually. Really? Um, they've been around for um, only a few years now. Um, less than a decade, for sure. Yeah, it just seems like Antennas has made a really big footprint in that time then. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's 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 all about like, you know, if you have an idea in Montreal, you can do it. You know, like, oh, I want to also give a shout out to um, the letter bet feel like they're really cool like there's so many cool shops and ideas and it's they're always like hybrids of galleries and stores and i i just feel like there's a lot of cool stuff going on in montreal always and um i feel like there's a lot you can learn from it and then for toronto you mentioned iso radio anything else you want to add in terms of so yeah in montreal wanting to connect with this city of toronto mm, yeah i mean it's, it's, it's hard for me to think right now because I'm so disconnected because I'm in the pandemic and I'm not, I'm not physically anywhere. But um, the first thing I would think of is, yeah, ISO radio. That was like one of the last times I really felt connected. I feel like a lot of the stuff that I was really into had, is gone. You know, like um, I really appreciated um, the Holy Oak and the community. They were kind of forming around it and it was like more of like an indie rock kind of thing. But I thought it was really cool what they were building. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Bambi's. I feel like they, they're another place that's like a community hub, you know, for techno electronic music. Like I've DJed there a lot. I feel like what they're doing is good. Um, and also Invisible City. I think I'm, they're, they're important. You know, like uh, it's just another place where people can, you know, be be creative and meet each other. You know, I feel like there's less and less meeting places for us, you know, so... Um, and I also want to give a shout out to like the Garrison, Baby G, like venues are really important. Record stores, you know, these are, these are more than just businesses, you know, like these are the anchors of the music community. I feel like as we're losing them more and more and you look around and you wonder why the culture is like so whack. That's why, you know, like it's, you know, you need places where you can cultivate ideas together you know in in real life i feel like so much of it is you can only do so much research online you know it's like you you won't you'll never be vibey if you're just looking online for ideas 
you know, it's, it's got to come from a community. Yeah, it's interesting because I think of like just through this time of like uh, physical isolation from people uh, in the creative community, you know, it, it, I've really drawn so much on those personal relationships. And, you know, I, I think of, you know, some of the amazing um, minds and artists that I personally am, am grateful to be connected with. And so many of those things were were chance, you know, like, like, you know, I have a friendship with Kazim with from New Currency magazine in Toronto. Uh-huh. But that was really like, I was working in this space. And he's there. And he mentions that he wants to put out a magazine. And that's like, that was like 2016 or something like that at a time where, you know, people aren't really putting out print. And, you know, that that's where that friendship begins. You know, mm-hmm. how, how we, we have been able to cultivate that. Uh, and like we've connected a lot over this last year, you know, sharing ideas and resources and, and whatnot. But would that have happened digitally without that? It's unlikely. It's hard to say. You know, it's like I feel like, yeah, that's a really good example. Like there's another thing that I, I need to look it up really quick. I feel like it's in this in the David Burns book, how music works. And he describes, um, what it, what it was, the factors to having a good music scene. And, uh, I feel like it's really, a lot of it was just, you know, the, you know, the artists are able to get in to shows for free. That was an important part of it. There's proximity to music venues. The artists are able to live cheaply um, and, and enough that they can focus on making music. And you kind of like mix that all up and then you end up having a music scene, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and it was like also one of the things was like also there's, um, you know, uh, prioritizing women in the scene was a big part of it, too, in the book. He mentions that. And it's like, you know, if you mix that all together, you have a music scene, you know, and it's like. Um, I feel like when you remove some of those ingredients, like if there's nowhere to play, how, you know, I don't think it, 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 there's no scene in TikTok, you know, like I, I don't, I don't feel the same way, like about, you know, when I think about like New York CBGB scene, uh, I don't feel the same way about like the TikTok houses in LA. It's not the same thing because it's like a lot of those things are like purely profit driven. You know, they're more of like a Silicon Valley incubator than they are a music scene or like, a you know, some kind of art scene, you know. Um, whereas like I find that commerce is usually like the last thing when it comes to a real music scene. You know, it's like if, if you're already doing something artistic and you got it popping in your own community. And then it's when the corporate side comes in late in the game and they're like, yo, I want to profit from this. That's the best part that's 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 good you know where it's when it's the last thing that's my opinion yeah yeah i hear that and i think it's it's not eliminating that from it but it's where where does that sit in the process you know and i think oh, i mean you oh, think, yeah you see that for I sure remember, i just i just remember something this is what i was going to say i'm sorry um what i was going to say before is another great thing about montreal kind of after party scene is you know we were able to stay up all night and go to these events but it was also really like kind of like a, a, a salon, you know, mm. in the old like 70s 
17th century French way of saying a salon where, you know, all these different artists of different disciplines get together and then we think of different things we can do. You know, it's like we all were able to get together and hang out for long periods of time. And it's like, this is how I ended up, you know, collaborating with, you know, Kate Trinata or something, you know, or like how I ended up working with the director of my music video for conditioning. It's just from being in these environments, you know, and it's like when you remove those environments and then what gets put there in place are gatekeepers and managers and things that create friction between artists getting together. And that's when you have like really vulnerable arts community. Well, I think what's really interesting in the context of this conversation is like thinking about Montreal and Toronto and, and how do we even create that type of salon experience and space between cities, you know, and um, that, that, that's, a, that's a question I think I, I'm leaving with because I, I, I think that when you do have, you see the benefit of that and, and you can go throughout scenes, you know, you think of like New York in the 80s and, and how much of what we're still seeing now as like, you know, one of the most dominant cultural forces ever of hip hop really like coming through uh, this window of like all kinds of different artists and creatives interacting. Oh yeah. Are you thinking, yeah, just like the kind of like OBO era, like just the Toronto sound kind of vibe? Well, well, I mean, I think I'm thinking, well, when you go first, I'm thinking of New York when you're thinking first and foremost of like, when you're looking at like rock steady crew and you're looking at the dancers and you're looking at all like the artists throwing up on the train and, and the music side of it. But then there were so many other scenes, right? There's like punk is adjacent to that. And there's these visual artists and like Basquiat and like there's, there's a lot of exchange happening that mm-hmm. was developed there. But then, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of, of Toronto um, going back to an earlier thought I had, when you were talking about that kind of um, seniors, you're, you're, you know, yeah. you look at like what Fresh Arts was in Toronto as that was, you know, brought together people in different forms, hip hop artists, but it also brought together dancers and people in theater and, and. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, like I, I don't want to suggest that that is, doesn't happen in Toronto because it's like, there's lots of great examples of that. You know, like it's like whether it was like the Cardinal generation or like the, you know, OBO generation. Um, it's, it's definitely like there's some amazing artists in Toronto. And, but, and, and you I can draw some lines through that too, right? So there is what happened with Fresh Arts that brought all these different types of artists and uh, practices together. And then, you know, that's one of the, th- you look at the impact that the circle had as a crew that, you know, largely was just formed out of, fresh arts you know and then that leads to some of the formation of the toronto sound and ovo and xo that you're talking about even like someone like gadget who is really instrumental in that toronto sound kind of being in both spaces right like that he is or you think about or you think about also like remix projects you know what what came from that like well remixes is, is largely takes you know draws on the legacy of fresh arts right and continue yeah, to provide I, that when Fresh Arts was no longer there. I think one of the things 
uh, with, with those kind of models is that they're here in Toronto. I find they end up being more, you know, they have some kind of like corporate backing or like they're like more organized and professionalized. Whereas in Montreal, it's more informal and it's, it's like the people don't even like have a name for it or it's just, you know, it's, it's just, just you know. a bunch. It's, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just your friends and it's like, we're just doing this. Like, and it's like, there's a lot of it where not a lot of cash was taking, you know, was, was a pass between people, but it was also just more of a culture of like trading art for art or something, you know, like it's, I think there's something that was really pure about it. Not to say that like anything is like worse than the other or something, but it's like, I just think the inclination in Montreal was always is, is often to just like people are just doing things and sometimes they don't even know that it could be profitable, you know, like, or they don't even think of it as like we're cultivating a scene right now. Like it's just, it's just what is happening. Yeah. Got you. There's um, only a couple questions I wanted to ask. They're actually um, pretty quick questions. Yeah. But drawing right into the real practical of this whole Montreal Toronto ecosystem conversation. Um, mm-hmm. the, the first of these questions is what is the biggest shift that could happen in that ecosystem between those two cities that would benefit you and the, the most in, in the work that you do? Oh yeah. I feel like probably there being some way for me to live in Montreal and work in Toronto. (laughs) (laughs) But I think ultimately it's really like, I think the ultimate thing that would help myself and everyone here is for Toronto artists to work with Montreal artists and there to be just more of like general collaboration where you can bring Montreal vibes here. And I find like when you bring the vibes here, they flourish, you know, and vice versa. I feel like when, when I, I've known people in Toronto and they come to Montreal, like they can't believe people live like that. And I think it's, it, it reminds me of this. Do you remember the sunscreen song? No. Okay. This was like a one hit wonder track in the nineties. And it was like in the lyrics with the guy talking and he's like, you know, move to New York, but leave before it makes you too hard. <laughs> and then it's like, move to LA, but leave before it makes you too soft. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like that's like Montreal and Toronto, you know, like, it's like, I feel like you can learn. It, it's good to dip your toe into both sides. And I, I feel like both sides can learn something from each other. And what do you think some of like the the mechanisms or like resources that would would enable people to have more of that ability to to work together to bring vibes from, from one city to another and to to practically get some of that going? Uh, I think it would maybe some collaboration between music festivals where you know maybe like North by Northeast or or something else here made a real initiative to book Montreal artists and then vice versa pop Montreal would have like maybe some Toronto specific events and stuff. Like I feel like that would be really cool because I feel like getting to travel for festivals is really, um, really enlightening. And I think, I think it, it can just getting a taste of both, both ways of being 
can be really helpful. I mean, like <clears throat> for me, one of the things that I, I, I'll do is like when I know Montreal people are in town, like I invite them over and we hang out and it's like, we basically are brainstorming and just like vibing out on ideas, but it's it and, and you, you would maybe call it a meeting in Toronto, but it's like kind of just what we do in Montreal without really putting a name to it. Like, it's like the lifestyle is like, you're always kind of creatively conspiring, you know? And it's like that, um, you know, like the, the lifestyle is like, you just, you're, you're outside of like Olympico and you're like, yeah, you're having a meeting, I guess, but really you're just shooting the shit and some ideas come out, you yeah. know? And I think, I don't know. I think that kind of, um, but yeah, like infrastructure wise, I mean, it's very, it's very complicated. It's really hard. And I don't think the language thing is the biggest problem. I think it's just, you know, I think both cities can, you know, on a, on a larger level can have like myopic visions of themselves and, and about what they want to like, what other artists, what, what, what other cities like, I think there just needs to be more understanding. Basically. I think that would be the best thing. Yeah. I like that. Um, what would you say is the biggest thing you could contribute directly to strengthening this relationship? I mean, the, the biggest thing I, I try and do is I hire people from both places for whatever I can do. I shout out people from both places. I try and connect people from both places. You know, like I feel like, you know, that's something that's really comes naturally in Montreal where it's like just collaborating and like, Oh, you do, you know, this guy, he does this, like, I'll put you in contact with him. Um, I feel like maybe that's like feels less common in Toronto. I don't, I, I mean, like I haven't lived here that long. I don't want to like be speaking like I'm expert of like Toronto. Right. Right. Collab- I, I would say from but, my perspective, I, I do see, that happen a lot. I mean, I, I think it happens a lot in the city um, through, you know, circles of friends, but I, I, I do, I do see some good, I don't see that inter like intercity between the two city mm-hmm. collaboration happening much, but I do, I do see um, people make that effort here to be like, Oh, you're working on this. I know someone that does that. Um, I definitely felt like when I first moved here, it was a bit, it could be insular, you know, like it's like people are kind of like checking to be like, what, what part of the GTA are you from and to see how they can contextualize you. Um, whereas I would be like, I'm from Edmonton. And yeah. I think, I think like, that's oh, an important question people ask in the city for sure. You know, right. Like, what ends, of, what ends are you from? And yeah, and, and that tells us sometimes more than uh, we, you know, or it, we think it might tell us more than it actually does, but right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, growing up in Scarborough and like just everyone I know who's from Scarborough. Like that's one of the most important things we always feel like you need to know about us. Like, right. I'm from Scarborough, you know? Um, yeah. The, um, last question is just about this actual conversation that you've lived in both cities. You definitely think a lot about Montreal and Toronto. You have a pretty unique, um, vantage point on it, but just, you know, speaking, the time that we have about this are you thinking about this relationship between montreal and toronto any differently or has it shifted your thinking or has it just added some kind of energy to 
the conversation or sorry to your thinking and to your actions in relationship to the two cities yeah i feel like um i think it's it's really cool that we're having this discussion because it's something that's always on my mind having lived in both cities and i just see the possibilities between you know toronto learning about you know what it's like to be in a place that's like purely artistic and Montreal people knowing how to get like their business in order, you know? And I feel like, um, I, you know, I'm personally, I just intuitively collaborate with Montrealers still all the time. So I feel like that connection is just really strong with me. Um, but so I don't think it's really going to change anything, but it is, reinforcing how much I appreciate what they have to offer and I think it's really making me think of like different ways that I can make those connections for people in Toronto with people in Montreal that's amazing that's that's the whole cool. spirit of this conversation so thank you for that mm-hmm. and thank you for your, your time sharing your story sharing, uh-huh. sharing all your perspectives on this it's been amazing yeah thanks thanks for uh, having me Thank you for listening to this conversation and connecting with what we do through Convene. Gratitude to the team behind this series on the music ecosystem between Montreal and Toronto, Nabil Shash, Alicia Roberts, Martine Anon, and Sebastian Miller. For more resources on this conversation, go to watervision.com, watrvision.com. This project is funded by Factor, the Government of Canada, and Canada's private radio broadcasters.